Hello and welcome to The Lost Button, the podcast for young people figuring out their future life and career. I'm Liz. And I'm Connor. And we're here to help you navigate all the big decisions you have to make about your future and create a path that's right for you. Each episode, we're going to tackle some of the biggest questions and challenges Gen Z are facing about their future, from finding a job you're passionate about to managing stress and burnout. What you didn't learn in school but should have. That's the topic for today. Before we get into it, how are you, Pia? I'm very good. I'm very excited for this topic and interview. We've got a great guest. Yes, quite a famous guest, actually, Byron. I'm not sure. Have you got TikTok yet, Liz? No. That's oh. okay. We, we can tell you all about him um, <laughs> in the next segment. You know, what we're really talking about is we all know that our education system today is not really fit for the future. It's outdated and it needs to change. So in today's episode, we're going to explore a bunch of the topics that we should have learned in school but didn't with a very special guest, as I've mentioned. My question to you, Liz, to start off, if you could take a gap year next year, what on earth would you do? What on earth would I do? Well, firstly, I just want to say I'm very excited for the schools that my kids are going to go to in the future because I think they're going to be so cool. They're going to rock on? I reckon compared to the schools that we've gone to because it's going to be totally different. But what would I do with a gap year next year? I would... (laughs) I would... Delete my outlook. That's what I would do. I'm so if I could, sorry. no, this, this adds to the comedy. It's it, great. Exactly. Um, no, it's no. a sign to take a know. gap year because your emails are annoying and, you. And you know what? Even though I know you did that just so that I could stall and like, you know, think of an answer, I still don't have an answer. I would make time for learning things that I just want to learn for the sake of it. Like at the moment, I'm really enjoying creating things like building apps and stuff and no code. Sort of so relatable. So relatable, right? That's actually been super fun. So I would make time for creating more stuff, whether that's like art or writing or whatever. I love that. I have no idea what I would do. I think I'd like to travel, but, you know, we still don't know if we can leave. Um, I think we will by the middle of next year for sure. Yeah, I guess what you said, Liz, just learn and create. I think I'd love to learn how to um, make my own NFT and sell it. So I'd try that. Crypto queen. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) More simple answer from me, although highly impressive that you have, you know, lofty goals. I would travel if I took a gap year because I've done a bit of travel, but like just like a full year, you know, like South America, North America, Europe. Asia, maybe Antarctica, right? Yeah, while it's Why still not? there. Why it's still there. Now, that's a whole other can of worms, but that is not the topic of today. As you know, the topic is how can schools improve? Like, let's reflect on this. So, some key stats, my favorite section. <laughs> According to the World Economic Forum and the McCrindle Institute, there are a number of critical skills for work that schools are not teaching us. 50% of all employees will need reskilling by 2025 as adoption of technology increases, and this is also according to the World Economic Forum's Future of Jobs report, so very legit. Next, critical thinking and problem solving top the list of skills that employers believe will grow in the next five years. So there's two things you can learn today. Critical thinking, right? NFTs, problem solving, writing a good story. Right? I think that's great. Finally, leading global researcher Mark McCrindle, um, who I have spoken to before, great guy, He says that being adaptive and responsive to changes and understanding trends 
is key to remaining future-proof. I think we chatted about that briefly before, that the greatest source of stress and anxiety for every human being is the difference between what we think should happen or is we plan to happen and what actually is the reality. Like, mm. think about that across any area of your life and it applies. That's certainly when I think about how we talk a lot about entrepreneurship now and in schools, if you're kind of not part of that conversation, there's a huge push, right, to teach kids entrepreneurship because it is a really great way to teach them all of these different skills. And certainly I think in my experience, I can I can agree. I, I met a few uni students the other day who are in their third year now and I'm two years out and I couldn't believe like how much I had changed like how much I actually couldn't relate to them in that two years that had passed because of how much I've learned in just jumping in and trying to run and start my own business um, compared to when I was at uni and I was supposedly learning business skills but just was not really like you have to learn through experience so I guess our advice I'm sure we all agree is just actually just start something no matter what kind of creative project or thing you've got going on the best way to learn those skills is to have the purpose or the passion behind it and try and learn as much as you can. In terms of the actual topic today, what do you think schools are going to look like in the future, Liz? So let's say 10, 20 years from now, what do they look like? How are they different? Um, a lot of the big trends at the moment are towards individualised learning. So there's this idea that, you know, at the moment school is kind of weirdly arbitrarily segmented based on year five, year six, year seven, et cetera. And there's no opportunity for you to accelerate or actually just pursue your interests. So there's a big push towards individualizing learning experiences and kind of putting students in the driver's seat so they can kind of go, okay, this is something that I'm really interested in or passionate about. And I'm going to say it's marketing, like I'm going to find a bunch of different creative ways that I can learn and um, express this skill, except for, you know, instead of getting getting assessed and doing an exam based on that. Um, And similarly, this idea that like the ATAR or those final um, kind of entrance, uni entrance exams will disappear. And I think that's something we can see happening very, very soon, that the ATAR won't exist in the same way and you actually just be able to go straight into your next step based on your portfolio and who you are, not just your grades. Phew. (laughs) The sooner ATAR ends, the better, I think. And I think what that leads to, as you mentioned, individualized or project-based learning, right? Like everyone has different skills, everyone has different subjects um, and practical things they're interested in. So what does this look like? Well, we know that the key skills for the future of work are things like critical thinking, problem solving, knowing how to learn and being curious, things like that. You can't really learn that from a textbook. You can't open a math textbook and become you know, instantly good at critical thinking and just doing the same problem over and over again. So this idea of project-based learning, so self-directed projects that students do in groups or by themselves to develop like a product, a service, or just like a, an idea, um, I think is what the future of school will look like. Yeah, and I hope it means that we can actually, there's less segregation between school and real world, right? That it's it's just you know we're learning because we know it's really important to learn and throughout your whole life you're going to need to learn you're not just going to get to year 12 and then be like sweet don't have to learn ever again like that's where the learning begins so we'll be lifelong learners and you know if there's any teachers listening i think the earlier that your school can get onto this idea of project-based learning it's already happening in schools um in australia um the earlier you can get onto it you're going to be ahead of the curve and you've always got to be thinking about 
five, ten years ahead for what parents are going to be looking for. So it's a good point. Now it's time for the lost and found. Even though being lost is a problem that young people across the world are facing, it can be easy to feel like you're the only one. Each episode will bring a young person on the show to share their story and the challenges they're facing about their future. Today's guest is Byron Dempsey, the founder of the Driven Young podcast, who you may have seen on TikTok before. Hello, Byron. Welcome to The Lost Button. Thank you so, so much for coming on board. How are you going? I'm really good, thanks. I'm super excited to be here. We are very stoked to have you. Uh, I think you don't really need much of an introduction to our audience, but just in case, I'd love for you to tell us a bit more about yourself and your own journey sort of from school to now. Yeah, sure. So my name is Byron Dempsey. I'm host of the Driven Young podcast, which is a podcast that focuses on teaching practical life skills we should have learned in school, skills like money and finance, communication skills, public speaking, uh, health and nutrition, a bunch of other stuff. And um, yeah, I've been doing the podcast full time for about two years. I also uh, am a presenter at Empower You, which is a personal development and life skills program for teenagers. It's a two day program. It's basically my podcast in an event format. And uh, the other thing I do is um, I am launching a new program called the Intentional Gap Year, which is basically a gap year program designed for young people 18 to 25. And it's, um, it's we say there's three parts of the program. You've got the social side. So we've got social meetups, we've got educational workshops and professional challenges. Um, so it's kind of everything I wanted to have when I was younger. And um, yeah, among that, I do a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, really, I work in helping in the education space for young people. And um, I've actually followed um, your page like on TikTok and the podcast actually for a little while. I love the content. But you must have learned so much from so many interviews, right? Would you be able to share with us what some of the key takeaways have been from those interviews? Yeah, of course. You know, it's a difficult question because I, I think I'm 88 interviews in now. I think a huge linking theme that's come across, because similarly to you, um, Elizabeth, I ask at the end of every episode, what's your number one piece of advice to the younger generation? And a very heavy linking theme is taking risks while you're young. And it's probably going to be my answer when you ask me that question at the end. But yeah, just taking risks while you're young and really spending time to figure out who you want to become. I cannot tell you the amount of guests who come on and they say, oh, so what do I do after high school? I went straight into university and now I'm doing something completely different. Obviously, that it's not like they hate university or anything, but they go, that was three years I could have done something else or I could have taken a bit more time before I jumped into that or I whatever it is. So that's very common as well. Taking risks is very common. The universal agreement on what we should be learning in school, which is money and finance, health and nutrition, relationships, consent as well. We do a lot of stuff around consent education. Everyone seems to agree. So a linking theme across all of that is everyone seems to agree that the school system is failing, yet no one seems to be doing anything about it. And it's very frustrating. And I've kind of given up on the government doing anything, which is why I'm trying to take it into my own hands with the program and the podcast and everything. But hopefully the government will wake up soon and start to make some pretty drastic changes. Yeah, I think if we keep making noise, then surely at some point <laughs> change will happen. Um, you, you have to think. Exactly. And and I'm keen to know though, because I think like obviously what you know is amazing, but was that always what you had planned out for yourself? Like what were some of the, what was your expected kind of path and how did how did you get to now where you are today? 
Yeah. So no, it's not what I planned at all. It never is, is it? So, um, and I love that. Could talk about that as well. Like unpredictability. I love that. I wanted to be a filmmaker from about 11 years old. I started making videos with like a video recorder and uh, editing on iMovie. And those videos are up on YouTube. If you Google my name, you can find them if you look hard enough. Lightsaber battles, gunfights, you know, whatever it is. And so come to high school, kind of like towards senior, senior high school, I realized I don't need ATAR for a creative field. And so I just focused more time on doing videos to become the video guy. So I started working part-time, um, filming dance concerts as a part-time job on the weekend. I did all the captain's videos. I did Valentine's Day videos. So I was really like heavy into videos and editing and you know trying to establish that yeah when i finished high school i got into a film and media degree but i just couldn't see the value in like three years of studying because i kind of identified like i did two major works in high school and of those two major works i got top of, top of the state marks i got like 50 out of 50 and 50 out of 50 and then all my exams sucked or they were average at best and so for me i was like okay i'm clearly good at practically doing stuff and figuring it out as i go i'm clearly not good at sitting in a classroom and learning so I was like, well, I could just sit in the classroom and learn for three years, or I could out, just go out and make start making films for three years. So that's what I did. And I ended up getting a job with a guy called Glenn Carlson. I was following him around making films. And that introduced me to the business world. And I got access to his entire network. And I started meeting people. And something that would happen was at all these events I went to, they'd come up to me and, and I'll be the youngest in the room by at least a decade. And they'd come up to me and be like, wow, you know, I wish I had this when I was your age. Man, imagine if I got this information when I was your age. And I kind of went, well, why can't we do that? And so that kind of set me up to go you know, a year or two later, start the podcast, which is kind of give ac access to people, information at a younger age. And I still get it. Like on a daily basis, I get people who are like, you know, 32 and like, hey, mate, I'm 32. I listen to your podcast. I wish I had this when I was younger. So yeah, that was kind of like the catalyst. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I have to say now when I'm in schools, I meet a lot of young people and teachers who are like, oh, my student wants to be a TikToker or like an influencer of some kind. And that kind of literally is your job, like a, a lot of a lot of what you've done and kind of been able to create content through. But I'm curious to hear, like, what would you say to those young people who are looking up to people like you right now and really want to pursue those things as a career pathway? What's your experience been so far with it? And kind of what advice would you pass on to people who are interested in that? Yeah. I mean, just do it. Like, again, if you try and you fail, you what, you're 19 years old, who, who cares? Like, give it a shot. I think in terms of practical for TikTok or influencer, um, if you just want to be a TikToker for the sake of a TikToker, that's not really a good reason because it's probably status into ego. You want followers for no particular reason. Um, I don't really consider my, myself a TikToker. I just use TikTok as a vehicle to push people to my podcast and grow my brand and everything. So I would say go for it, figure out a problem that you want to solve and create content around that problem. For me, it's the education system. It's a lack of life skills. For you, it could be the fashion industry. It could be, you know, I, I disagree with it. I'm going to put content out for that. It could be, you know, our oceans need cleaning up. I want to put out content around how we can help that. Whatever is a problem that you're passionate about, go out into the world, experiment and figure out what that problem is and create content around that. And, uh, you know, just stick to it. Be consistent. Anyone who's successful on social media always preaches the message of consistency. Yeah, that's really good advice because you're doing so many different things. And if you're not consistent, then you're going to fall down in like heaps of different areas. Given that you are across many different fields, I'm sure you've had a lot of challenges and also successes as well. So what have been some of those tough times and what have been some of those fulfilling moments for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, entrepreneurship is very much like a roller coaster, you know, ups and downs. 
And um, I think because I've been in entrepreneurship for like three, four years, well, four, four or five years now, um, you just kind of build like an emotional muscle to it almost. Like they kind of talk about the, when you're making decisions or like your, your subconscious and unconscious brain, but then you've got like your brain, like for example, what's two plus two? Four. You know that that's easy. That doesn't require much brain power, but what's 37 times six? It takes a little bit more brain power. They say that's like a second brain. In entrepreneurship, I feel like it, all day you're using a second brain. You're constantly having to do that and it's quite emotionally exhausting. And so I do think I've built up a bit of strength to that because like running this gap year program has been super challenging. The lows are like, you know, the other day I had 180 people registered for the information night and I was super pumped. I was like 180 people, this is going to be great. And only 24 people showed up and um, you know, that hurts. It's like you, you, you see that number 24 people, but you've got to keep presenting. You can't let it get in the way. So I do think the highs are very high because it's like a great feeling and the lows are quite low. For me, the highs are the Instagram messages I get. That's pretty much why I do it. I get messages of people who like pour out their entire life and um, people ask to have chats with me. Just before this, I had a kid who signed up to my program who reached out to me and he was just like, off the webinar, a bunch of them created a Snapchat group and now they're in the Snapchat group talking and some of them haven't even signed up to the program. And I didn't even, they just, now they're friends and I didn't even mean to do it. And so I was chatting with him and he was telling me about his whole life story. I get people... I had one guy reach out to me and he said, Hey, Byron, I got to buy you a coffee next time I'm in Sydney because I just landed a $50,000 scholarship based off some advice you gave. Wow. So it's kind of like, yeah, that's really like, the, I always encourage people to message me because I just, that's what keeps me going. I don't make that much money in this right now. And so to get messages that validate that the podcast is good and it's actually impacting people is really the, the biggest driving factor for me. That's huge. I, I remember I had advice from a mentor once about that roller coaster idea that you're talking about and saying, you know, actually the most important thing you can do is make sure you've got people around you that can keep you in the middle more. Like, yeah. so when you have those amazing wins and you kind of ride that high, like actually trying to stabilize yourself a bit more. And, and like you said, showing up intentionally every day in spite of of either of those things and and what actually not defining success by the output necessarily so much as like the consistent effort and energy that you're putting into it and knowing that's going to create value for people so that's awesome yeah and leaning in on the roller coaster metaphor like in order for you to you know people love going down on the roller coaster that's a fun part but the only way to go down is to go up and so like you know, there's, it once you accept that, and I guess life as well is a roller coaster. When you are happy, you will have a moment when you're going to be sad again, and you can't keep that forever. And once you kind of accept that, I do think it becomes like a bit more reasonable. And it's like, okay, I know I'm I'm doing quite well right now. I know there'll be a point where I dip, and then I'll get back up, and then I'll dip, and that's just kind of life. Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy life. But today, what we really want to focus on is talking about the things that we should have learned in school. I know that you're really passionate about this. We do a lot of research on as well. But can you talk us through what are your top three topics that you think school should be teaching? And how do you think they could teach it actually better? Yeah, top three. Look, I've actually got a list of top 10 I made a while ago. I'm just bringing it up now because I haven't looked at it in a while. But I don't know how it has changed. Look, top three. Oh. I mean, it has to be money and finance has to be in there, you know, financial management, just how to pay loans, good debt, bad debt, investment, compounding interest, that all fits under that umbrella. That's definitely got to be in there. Um, there's stuff like understanding yourself, but it's almost like, how do you teach that? I don't know. Is it a class? So in terms of practical classes, probably money and finance, probably entrepreneurship and starting a business because it's so popular nowadays. And it's even as an employee, having that understanding and those skills is going to make you a much better employee as well. Um, uh, and, and then another one, 
either communication skills, psychology, emotional intelligence, just understanding how we work, how, you know, just really basic psychology and emotional intelligence, that sort of stuff. And I guess you could fit critical thinking under there. You know, critical thinking is really important now because there's so many biases on social media and you've got to be able to know what to trust. I can do my top 10 list. This was a while ago. So financial management, relationships, entrepreneurship, nutrition, and understanding our body, basic economic understanding, the pathway options after high school. We, like we should have a whole careers pathway option after high school. Psychology, emotional intelligence, how to grow a network, like networking, time management, and public speaking. So there's a, there's a 10. Consent would probably be in there as well. I do a heaps around consent now. Um, and that's really made me realize how important that message is and how easy it is to teach it. Like if you get that in when they're young, you can like set them up to hopefully avoid a lot of what's happening right now. It's really interesting too, because when you look back at your high school experience or your uni sort of tertiary experience as well, all of those key, really pivotal learnings, like for me, none of them happened in the classroom. And secondly, most of them had to do with your relationships and your friends and your identity. Like they're those emotional and social learnings that we have. And yet in school, we're just trying to pull people back to a classroom, which I know you talk about a lot, that is fit for, you know, a hundred years ago, not for the actual way that we've developed and changed as 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 a people, you know, today. Um, I think it will be really cool to see what even in five, ten years' time, how the system adapts to that because it's going it's gonna to have to, right? It, it has no choice but to change and evolve. What are some ideas that you have about how that might look like or what, what do you hope it looks like in the future? I mean, you're right. It has to evolve. We're already seeing incredibly high levels of mental health issues for young people in year 12. And it's only going to get worse. Like the world is changing and we're not keeping up to date. I heard it, and you guys feel free to use this. I love this, but I heard this great little bit. And it was like, if you were to go back in time a hundred years ago, um, everything in the world would be completely different. You know, the cars would be different. The, if you went into a hospital, completely different. Everything, you, you know, the way men dress, the way women dress, everything would be different except the education system. <laughs> Overall, you'd mm. walk into a school, you'd see a blackboard, you'd see a teacher, you'd see kids sitting in a classroom doing the same stuff that we're basically taught. Now, obviously, it has adapted since then, but structurally, it's very similar. So I think we need to move away from the nine to five model teaching. You know, I think the world's heading more into towards a contractor, subcontractor, freelance sort of model. There'll still be a nine to five, but I think it's more heading that way. I do think they need to just encourage more creativity. I think school just needs to focus on creating a safe and fun place and kids will naturally grow and thrive there. That's my goal with the gap year program. Like, the, and even this guy I mentioned literally right before I had a chat with you, he was like, it's almost like everyone right now feels like very lonely. And it's like, well, if everyone's feeling lonely, why don't they all just become friends? Cause they're just not sure how to meet. And if you just create a safe space for them, they thrive. Like we've only got 45 people in the program right now. They're on the group chat. They're chatting, they're doing meetups. They've got Snapchat groups. We haven't even started the program. And so I think we school needs to focus on creativity, communication skills, and writing, storytelling, because they're the skills that are going to be important in the future because AI can't replace those in the, in the near future. But AI can replace a lot of the other skills that we're being taught. Like math, a lot of, you know, a lot of math is going to become redundant because computers will just be able to do it. It already is. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know how to do my percentages. I just type in percentage calculator and do it through that. So yeah, I do think, you know, got to lean into those, I guess, soft skills, they call them. Yeah, they've become these core life skills that people need, right? No, really good point. I think a couple of things you mentioned there was talking a lot about like project-based learning. So creativity, because school is so much about retention and like learn these random facts, do the test, forget it. And then a lot of people leave school burnt out. 
And then that's when they should be loving learning because they've got, you know, another 50 years plus of learning. You know, it's tough. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I'm keen to hear your answer to our final question, which I'm sure, yeah, you're going to have a great one um, too. Before you do, sorry. Oh, yeah. Like, um, project-based learning, I did want to expand on that just like over a minute or two because I I do completely agree. For example, I don't know if you saw my book came out called 18 and Lost, So Were We. That was our first experiment of a project-based learning. We had, I think, eight people came together in, in a retreat up in Newcastle or something. They booked out an Airbnb. We all connected, became really close, united. We came up with a strategy. And then over the next three months, we all wrote our chapter. We had feedback. Everyone read each other's chapters and gave feedback. We got an editor. And a year later, we published a book, which uh, we met over a thousand sales in the first two days. And it's been going really well. And so that was a great example of project-based learning. And I do think project-based learning needs to be included a lot, lot more. And I don't mean group assignments. I mean more beyond that. Yes. And nowadays, it's never been easier to create, right? And I think when you talk about learning entrepreneurship, um, it's more about actually leveraging the fact that we can build any kind of business that we want from anywhere in the world right now. Like no other generation has had that opportunity in the way that we have. And even if you don't see yourself as being business minded or that type of thing, you know, you can monetize like the passions that you have, the skills that you have in those unique ways that maybe you would have never considered before. I think there's actually, even though that choice can be overwhelming, there's so much exciting opportunity to just experiment and try without, mm. you know, ex- um, using up a lot of money or your time, which, you know, a year, sure, of your, your, of your life, that's really not that long in the scheme of things. And you didn't need to have a certain or fixed outcome at the end of that to know that you were going to gain something really valuable from it, which was the learning experience. So that's pretty epic. Yeah. And I mean, if you've got marketing skills, which is probably maybe that would be my top three marketing skills, because if you understand how to market, you can literally make money doing whatever you want. It might be, it's not going to be easy, but if you're passionate about a problem that you want to solve or whatever it is, you can find a way to make a living doing that. And that's super exciting. So exciting. I can't wait to see where you take all of these awesome skills and, and ideas next. We will definitely give a shout out to our listeners to your gap year program because I think that's such a wicked idea. And I know I wish I was 17 again just so that I could go through it. <laughs> so yeah, very keen to see how that goes. And yeah, last but not least, we'd love to hear what would your advice be to your younger self that, you know, back at 15, 16, when you were trying to work all this out for the first time, what would you say to them now? For young people, lean into uncertainty. Our entire lives from zero to 18, we're conditioned to feel this level of safety. As in in year five, you know, next year you'll be in year six. And in year six, even though it's scary, you know, next year you'll be in year seven and starting high school. Once you hit 18, you get this huge decision to make one of the biggest decisions of your life, your career. And so naturally we lean to do something that's certain and safe because we crave that. And that's because what we're used to, I would say lean into uncertainty and take risks while you're young, because you have this window of freedom from like 18 to 25 or 18 to 30, where you can take huge amount of risks. And the downsides are very minimal because you still live at home. You're not paying rent or a mortgage. You don't have a car loan. You don't have kids. You have this time and this window of freedom to take advantage of that. So lean into uncertainty. In my opinion, that's where the magic happens. If I knew where I was going to be each year of my life, that's kind of depressing to me. I love the fact I don't know where I'm going to be in 12 months. And I think lean into that, you know, lean into that, um, you know, focus on helping people rather than trying to get help. We always talk about the thousand doors concept and people always go, you know, they pitch, here's here's what, you know, when I'm within a pitching for an internship, they say, here's what I want. Here's what I want. Pitch what they get out of it. And so we said the fastest way to open doors to yourself is to start opening doors for other people. So take risks, 
you know, stay young, stay driven. That's probably what I'd say. Very well said. No, we really appreciate your time. We know you're super busy and you've got lots of programs going on. So you know, thanks again for answering our questions really well. And I'm sure our listeners will get like some really good advice from you. Yeah, stoked, My stoked, stoked for the borders to open so that we can all catch up in person sometime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to it. But in the meantime, all the best. And yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening to The Lost Button, a podcast helping you figure out your future one episode at a time. If our stories hit home for you today, we'd love for you to leave us a review or share with a friend. Head to our website to get career advice from The Lost Button, sign up to our mailing list for more practical tips or check out Purposeful on Insta to be part of our community. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today, the Noongar people of Wadjuk country. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Thanks and have an epic day.